Two recent public meetings in Bloomington have addressed business owners' concerns of crime and loitering along Kirkwood Avenue. Those concerns have also sparked a conversation about combating homelessness in the city. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we're joined by Nick's English Hut co-owner Susan Bright and City Council member Steve Volan, who hosted those two meetings. We'll also talk to the Bloomington Chief of Police and a member of the city's Human Rights Commission. Have you noticed a rise in panhandling or crime along Kirkwood Avenue in Bloomington? How should the city handle it? We'd like to hear from you, and we invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Joe Wren from WFIU and WTIU. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, what's going on going on, on Kirkwood Avenue here in Bloomington. Two recent public meetings uh, in the city have taken up concerns of crime along uh, Kirkwood, which is one of Bloomington's iconic Avenues. We're going to talk about the various issues that came up at those two meetings today with uh, four guests. We have Byron Bangert in the studio. He is a member of the Bloomington Human Rights Commission. Susan Bright is the co-owner of Nick's English Hut. Uh, Police Chief Mike Dekoff is with us. And uh, we're expecting any time City Councilman Steve Volan to join us. You can join the program by giving us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can even follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So we're happy to have all of you here. And Susan, I wanted to start with you because you wrote the letter and invited people to come to Nick's to discuss what you thought was a problem sort of building on Kirkwood. So could you sort of explain what prompted you to, to set the meeting up? Sure, Bob. Uh, it seemed like a lot of businesses were having situations that we call vagrant illegal activity. And when I say illegal activity, it's not panhandling. It's illegal or it's legal in our town it's the aggressive panhandling or it's the drug dealing or it's the altercations or muggings we're all working on it one-on-one -on -one. so I felt if the 60 some businesses came together and we had a forum that discussed what's happening in front of each of businesses we could collectively find solutions to curtail the activity and um, our meeting was prompted after my husband Greg Rago and I spoke with the police enforcement and they gave us some great ideas of how to work in tandem with them. We're kind of the eyes and ears of Kirkwood Avenue. We're pretty much there 24-7. We can help them do their job better. We're not the experts to curtail illegal activity. so. Mm -hmm. We were going to try and find solutions to help the police mm -hmm. force. So what, what kinds of things were you seeing? Oh, we would see everything from things coming out of 
bags of um, backpacks, money's exchanged, knives being pulled when our crowds are kind of thick out in front of our business. You know, sometimes we have lines, and that's when the aggressive panhandlers seem to come around when commerce is high on Bloomington. So the odds of them getting something in return is more likely. Um, we have a lot of people just sleeping in flower boxes, and too drunk to get up, or too, you know, with drugs, we're not sure what it is that they're too, you know, high on. Mm-hmm. And um, we're looking out for the safety of not only our businesses employees, the visitors that come to Bloomington, the locals that come in. It's really a safety issue. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Mike Decoff, were you uh, surprised to hear from Susan? I mean, are this, these are issues that you're aware of. No, we uh, well, we'd we'd had conversations with Susan. We've had conversations with other downtown businesses. Um, you know, we've been doing uh, foot patrol overtime assignments on Kirkwood for a long time. Um, so we're aware of the problems. Um, you know, coming up with solutions is a little bit more difficult. We can't arrest our way out of this problem. Um, you know, a lot of the complaints we get are, are when people call in, um, uh, they call and complain about homeless people causing problems. They call and complain about panhandlers. Um, so it's not illegal to panhandle. It's illegal to be aggressive in panhandle. And the, and the statute, state statute spells out specifically what those behaviors are. Um, the Indiana legislature changed the public intoxication laws a, uh, a few years ago. So um, it makes it more difficult to make an arrest for public intoxication. Um, so, you know, we, we try to, in, in the bigger picture, uh, we try to deal with the problem. Um, we can't always make arrests when people call because it may not fit the definition of the statute. So uh, that, that, you know, people see that. They call the police. They see that we may not arrest somebody. And then they wonder, well, why did, why did we waste our time? Why did we do that? But, um, you know, the, the biggest thing, and, and when, I, when I was at the meeting at Nick's that I stressed to people is if we don't know there's a problem, we can't do anything. So I really stressed about people calling. And I can't tell you how many times when somebody will stop me and say, hey, you know, there was this, this situation going on, you know, and I said, well, did you call the police? No, I didn't. So I, I don't have a giant crystal ball that sits on my desk that I look at and predict where problems are. So we need to know when there are problems so that we can, we can send people to, to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking most of the time problems, we're probably talking about evening, late nights, overnights. And when there's only so many problems, I mean, how many times can or how, how many police officers can you send? Well, I'm, I'm going to guess that I think Susan expressed concerns about things going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you well, know, it's, it's, right. it's well, and it, even, even if it's all the time, I mean, you know, how many, how much staff can you send? Right. Constantly? Well, we have anywhere from eight to ten officers on duty at any one time. Um, the university has probably four or five officers, and and they assist us a lot of times on Kirkwood. Um, so that's what you're talking about. But you know, we have. 10,000 case reports we do a year. We get hundreds of thousands of calls for service um, every year. So we're, we're busy. Um, but again, this is, this is a problem for people downtown. And so w- a lot of times I hear, well, I didn't want to bother the police. I know you guys are busy. 
again, if we don't know there's a problem that's that's concerning people, we can't we can't do anything about it. So you they need to call because we track all the calls that we get. We look at, um, you know, we we do trending on crimes and things like that. So we're paying attention to that. And if we're not being notified, then we're we can't do anything. So we we constantly encourage people to call. Um, you know, you you asked about the times a day. It's it's different groups are causing different problems at different times of the day. Um, you know, late at night, we don't tend to see um, what you might consider someone who's homeless out causing problems. Panhandling is not, I think, as as um, as prevalent after dark. Um, it's illegal to panhandle after dark. So, um, you know, some of those problems, uh, you know, it's probably... Um, you know, it's pre- people visiting Nick's. It's people visiting the other bars on on Kirkwood. You know, so those are late night problems. Um, you know, during the afternoon, it's 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 people hanging out at People's Park. You know, there's no place else for people to go, so they hang out at the park. And um, so, though it's, I don't know that we can put our finger on it's one group of people. It's one problem. Now, Byron Bangard is here, and Byron's with the uh, Human Rights Commission. Um, in Bloomington, and you, you know, you're aware of these issues, and and I think you're coming at it from a perspective of wanting to make sure that people have a you know a right to live and to mm-hmm. to um, just exist in Bloomington. So I guess I want to get your reaction to to the issues because several other issues sort of came out of this. I mean, I think Susan started in one place, and then this issue or the, these discussions took on a, a life of their own in a way. Right. So. Well, I was invited to come to the meeting that Steve Olin hosted by Steve, uh, and I think it probably had to do with uh, the fact that this issue seems to be related to some extent, at least in the public mind, with uh, the problem of homelessness in our community. And as uh, uh, Chief Police just, um, Mike just pointed out, there are really different groups who are involved uh, in these various behaviors that people are finding objectionable. Um, and we, as a Human Rights Commission, uh, are particularly concerned that it not be precisely because somebody is homeless that they are stereotyped and that their behavior is assumed, therefore, to be illegal or objectionable in some way. I mean, most of the homeless people are not there on Kirkwood during the day. Uh, a good many of them are in Seminary Park. A good many of them are, you can see, on South Walnut. And I suspect some of them are at work and doing all kinds of other things. Um, but to stereotype them or to categorize them as all part of this problem, I think, would be a, a great mistake. And so that was the main thing I wanted to say at the council or at the meeting uh, in the city council chambers last week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have a phone call already. If you want to put on your headphones, so we have a phone call from John from Bloomington. Hey, John. Go ahead. Do we have John? Guess not. Guess John's not there, so. Oh, hello? Oh, John, go ahead, please. No, it's, I got confused because my name is Don, not John. Oh, I got you. It was, uh, we, right. we, we have it in um, Go ahead, Don. Uh, yeah, so uh, I had a couple of points, but I'll just keep it short. My biggest problem, if we're going to talk about the homeless, is the idea that you can only run a shelter for a limited amount of time, and then the people are pitched down into the street. If you're going to be allowed to operate a, a shelter in this town or anywhere, 
which has to be 12 months out of the year. This good doer policy isn't, isn't helping anyone. The policies in this town are bringing people from all around this country into this town. It's not just for down-and-out people from Bloomington. They, they come into the town. They don't have any place to safely lock their things inside the shelter. They have to carry everything out with them, which limits their, their ability to pursue anything. And I just can't, I can't fathom the idea that you, you bring people in, and then after 12 months you throw them out in the street, after six months or whatever it is. If it's, if it's going to be a shelter, it's got to be 12 months out of the year, and they have to have a safe place to keep their possessions. I have other comments as okay. far as IU students. It's a whole other issue. But those are people who are here for a reason, not for a free ride that's gone out across this country. Let's uh, let, let us address that one, or let, let our panel address that one. So I think Don's talking about the interfaith winter shelter. Mm-hmm. So Byron, you any know, of the shelters are any of them twelve months out of the year? Uh, yes, a good many of them are. Um, the interfaith winter shelter is the one I think you're you're commenting on, and uh, there are several things I could say about your remarks. I, I don't think that majority of the people who are in the shelter are from out of the county out of the region they they are mostly from around here there probably are some that have come here for whatever reason and find themselves homeless and need a place to stay but the winter shelter exists essentially it was created you know some five years or so ago to keep people from dying uh, from freezing to death during the winter it's not a permanent solution um, the people who created the shelter are mostly uh, from May various churches Sure. Uh, my wife is a healthcare professional in this town, and I simply do not believe that the majority of the people who are in these shelters are from this area, unless you're talking about Ohio, Illinois, Texas, California. I don't believe it. Well, you can say it, but that doesn't mean I have to believe it. Well, that's true, Don. But I think I think Byron was talking specifically about the winter shelter, um, which I know he works at. Well, I volunteers. I, I haven't actually volunteered on site with the shelter, but I'm very, very well acquainted with the people who are engaged in that, and uh, in the various churches, uh, including one that I'm a member of. But um, you know, I think that the, the there's just so many multi. There are different dimensions to this question that you've raised. Um, it would certainly be desirable to have a, a year-round shelter for the people who now come to the low barrier winter shelter. Um, that's beyond the resources of the churches that have worked together to create uh, the, this stopgap measure. And I think it's a community problem, it's a city problem, it's a county problem at least uh, that needs a longer term uh, solution. But I think that takes us a little off the topic of today's program right. in terms of um, the issues that have arisen on Kirkwood Avenue and, and probably in other areas in the town where there's behavior that's uh, potentially criminal or objectionable to people in the in the community. Let me just mention, Don, and uh, before we let you go, that there are there are 24 or there are 12 month shelters in, in the community. Martha's House is one, and and there are a couple of other, there's a family shelter, and there are a couple of other shelters. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're concerned about this issue, that this there's a city election this year, and this issue is going to be a major issue uh, in it. So I just recommend that you get involved with the mayoral and council candidates. Well, who, hopefully people will vote at least. I voted. 
I think the voting turnout is disgraceful, and I think the whining is also disgraceful. If you don't vote, you don't deserve to whine about anything in well, this country. Gotcha. But that's not our topic not for today. Right. I'm just recommending that you might want to vote because this issue will be big in the election. All right. Our phone numbers again are 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Well, and part of all this, too, was the is the walking down Kirkwood and, feel, and feeling like you're being asked for, for money or, or what have you. What are the legal limits of that? If I don't know all the specifics, um, I mean, I, go to the state's website. You can pull up the Indiana Criminal Code and look at the panhandling laws. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it deals with the, the law deals with aggressive panhandling. There are um, there are things in the law that deal with uh, how close you can be to like an ATM machine. Um, about the hours, you can't panhandle after after dark. Um, you, you're not supposed to panhandle within so many feet of like an outdoor cafe, things like that. Um, somebody sitting on a bench downtown on Kirk in, on Kirkwood, you know, with a sign asking people for money is not it's not illegal. Um, it's not aggressive. It's the aggressive stuff that we can enforce. It's, it's someone following you down the street, pestering you, you know, touching you, grabbing you, stuff like that. Those those are the types of behaviors that the law is is uh, meant to address. And is that what you were referring to earlier about if you don't know about about it, then how can you address it? And right. is, and how would people do that? Is that is that worth a nine one one call? Well, no. I mean, if you feel threatened, yes. But most of the time, it's it's don't tie up the nine one one lines with that. It's it's call the administrative lines eight one two three three nine four four seven seven. All right. Well, I think our first caller gave us some indication of why Byron's here and why this has become a broader issue because he wanted to talk about homelessness Mm -hmm. in Bloomington. And that's not the way this all started. Of course, there are people who are homeless who are downtown. I think that's that's clear. And there are some people who are homeless who are panhandling. I think that's clear. But there's a lot of crime that goes on. And I wanted to ask Mike, again, the police chief, I mean, have you seen an an increase in calls to the Kirkwood area in the last couple of years? Well, you know, we we started um, a year or so ago uh, a program called Downtown Resource Officers. And we, we started that program um, because of the increase in contacts and increase in calls we were receiving about people experiencing homelessness. Um, the goal of that was to, I mean, clearly what we had been doing in the past wasn't working. We weren't making any kind of, of impact on changing behaviors or anything like that. So um, I, I looked around the country to see what other police departments were doing to address you know problems associated with homelessness. and basically took what I thought would work here in Bloomington from a variety of different departments, and we created our own program. And so with that program, we have seen a pretty significant change in um, just behavior and calls. And I think last summer, we got a lot fewer calls along Kirkwood. Um, obviously, it's, you know, it's just now warm. Um, people aren't out and about that, that much when it's colder. So we weren't really getting a lot of calls. We're getting more now because it's warmer. Um, you know, Susan indicated to me before we started that she thought things in the last two weeks had improved. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if we don't know what's going, if we don't know there's problems with people calling us, we don't we don't know what you know that there's really a problem. So it's really important. I can't stress enough. If there's something going on, you need to call. Um, but 
our DROs. Um, you know, we started that program. We uh, we have a tremendous amount of social service agencies in this community that like to do different types of services, and everybody was kind of doing their own thing, and we were able to corral a, a pretty good group of agencies to work with us on this program. We meet monthly. Um, we go over, you know, problems that we that we hear about. Um, we have um, Shalom Center. We got grant money through the Jack Hopkins Fund through the city to pay for um, a street social worker. That's been really beneficial because um, she she's an employee of the Shalom Center, but she has contact with people all the time through Shalom. Um, she works and meets with our officers daily. Um, but we've, we've really been able to kind of make an impact. You know, when we started this, we looked at um, people who had either put, who declared themselves as homeless or put down the Shalom Center as an address, as a permanent address. Um, and we looked at our, our database of names, and we had around 700 people over the last five years that had done that. And so um, we looked at the numbers. We, we focused on the top 50 that we had had the most contacts with. In a year's time, we were able to cut arrests by almost 50 percent, calls for service by 50 percent, and, and visits to the emergency room by about 30 percent. So we, we felt like that was a pretty big impact. Yeah, that's a pretty big jump. So. All right. Um, Susan, uh, again, in your history in Bloomington, and you know, you've been here a long time too, so you, know, you obviously felt like something was sort of growing a little bit. Is that correct? Exactly. And so now you're seeing in the last couple of weeks, at least, since there's been this focus on it, it's backing off. Yes, I've seen a change, and I also saw a change three years ago. And we, as business owners, I don't think did much about it. We just thought, oh, the police know about it. They'll take care of it. And then as time goes on, you see the police aren't solving the problem to the expectations us business owners feel it need to be solved. I mean, we feel like we're the red carpet to IU and downtown. And it's always been that way as the town has had an influence of big city activity through the university, we've had a harmony, you know, where a balance of right and wrong, good and bad have been, you know, equalized. But as the last six months have gone past, it's just out of balance. And there's this criminal activity that we feel is imbalancing our city. And I know it starts from, you know, way long ago from the time the person's gotten involved in, you know, an addiction. And then the addiction grows, and then they need to get more money, and the crime becomes more severe. And so I think that's what we're seeing on Kirkwood Avenue. The regular panhandling has increased to aggressive panhandling. The aggressive panhandling has increased to altercations and muggings. And so it's time for the the city to get back in balance, I think, with what the community needs in order to be in harmony with the big city influence and our little town you know, existence. And um, we're here to help. And the businesses create systems. We um, all need to be on the same page. The city we see as one big business, but these 60 businesses on Kirkwood are all individualized. And if we can put them all together, we kind of become a big unit that can work in tandem with what the city needs help with. And after the second meeting, I felt like there was some resolution as well. I mean, I think I don't want to say the separate parties, the parties that were involved with the homeless situation and the party that was involved with the criminal activity. 
Um, but I do feel there was two separate issues going in two different directions. And I think those two separate issues actually came together at the conclusion of that second meeting. Both parties saw that there is a problem and we need to work in tandem to get to the end goal. Mm-hmm. And that's basically to reduce the criminal activity, homelessize, reduce the homelessness, reduce the addictions, make mankind a better, you know, improve the quality of mankind here in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious really quick about how much you've heard from actual customers. I know you said you've seen a lot, but... Oh, yeah, it's customer-driven, employee-driven, visitor-driven. I mean, we have people that won't go downtown. My neighbor won't go downtown anymore. And, you know, she, I've grown up with her for 35 years, but she says my beautiful Kirkwood Avenue is no longer beautiful, and I don't feel that I want to you know, be confronted with an, a panhandler, let alone an aggressive one. And so she's like, I'll take my business elsewhere, which, you know, I can see where she's coming from. I have a strong build and character, and I do, you know, cut through all the crap that's going on Kirkwood Avenue, and I go to work. I live downtown, so I see it at both ends. But if people have choices, they'll go where they feel best. Mm-hmm. All right. Could I, could I raise a question? Yeah, go ahead, Byron. I mean, uh, I don't uh, spend that much time on Kirkwood these days, so I think people like Susan have a much better feeling for what's happening on the ground. But I did have a conversation with her husband, Greg, and I had conversations with a couple other business owners in the downtown area last Thursday. And um, everyone, I think, acknowledged that there's, there's criminal activity, including drug dealing and whatever that's going on. And this question of what's the relationship between that and the homeless um, is kind of muddled at this point. I, my question is, is it possible, and at least one of these business owners was fairly sure that this was the case, that the homeless are more the victims than the perpetrators of some of this activity? Exactly. I think that's, that's something that needs to be understood and get, get out there, that maybe some of the perpetrators, including the panhandlers, are, are not homeless. And we've befriended and, some of those and, homeless. And they're taking and advantage. They're, they're taking advantage of the homeless as a market for their drugs or mm-hmm. for whatever else. So the homeless need to be, the ones who happen to be in that location, need to be understood not as so much as the creators of, of crime or perpetrators, but uh, quite possibly as the victims of this situation. Okay, we're going to exactly. take this up but, uh, after we take a short break. But uh, we're talking about issues on Kirkwood Avenue here in Bloomington with Byron Banger, a member of the Bloomington Human Rights Commission, Susan Bright, the co-owner of Nick's English Hut, and Police Chief Mike Dekoff. Uh, you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Joe Wren from WFIU and WTIU. We're talking about the uh, issues that have sort of arisen along Kirkwood Avenue and the discussion about whatever issues there are down there, crime, um, issues of homelessness that we're trying to wrestle with, and and uh, commerce, business that's taking place. We have uh, Byron Bangert, a member of the Bloomington Human Rights Commission, Susan Bright, the co-owner of Nick's English Hut, and Bloomington Police Chief Mike Decoff with us today. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. And you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Joe, I want to turn it over to you in a minute, but I did want to continue that conversation yeah. before we yeah. do that for another question. But Byron brought up the idea that um, – People who are homeless are often victims of crime, not always the perpetrator or not necessarily the perpetrator of crime. And and I just wanted to continue that conversation for a minute. Mike, you, you know, you're on the ground floor in that, so I'm sure you see it both no, ways. That's, that's a very true statement. I think um, homeless, homeless people are victims of crimes and they don't feel like they can report them. Um, that's uh, you know another thing that we see with our DRO program is is we see that a lot and and we've tried to build more trusting relationships so that they feel more comfortable um, reporting crimes and and we have done that um, the, you know a lot of a lot of people who experience homeless homelessness have addictions issues they have mental health issues um, those those they, those problems rule their lives and so. Um, you know, if we can't figure out a way to to address those those problems, um, it makes it really difficult for them to get get their life in order and get back on track. Mm-hmm. So right. it, it's a very true statement. I, I I think so. How much has changed just within the last few months in in terms of police or or, or addressing this crime on Kirkwood? Are, are, is there anything now moving forward that that's changing? Well, it's it's. It's a cyclical problem. You know, in the winter, we don't have near the complaints because it's too cold. Nobody's nobody's right. hanging out down right. there. Um, so what we always do is when it gets warmer, we, we beef up our patrols. Um, a couple years ago, we redid our, our police districts and created a downtown district um, that is, is basically the downtown, and, and obviously Kirkwood is in that. So we have a police officer that basically patrols from Indiana to Rogers, 2nd Street to 10th Street. That's the downtown district. Um, so that person is assigned just to that district, but then the other four districts that we have overlap that district. So there's there's always people, always police officers in the downtown area. Um, we have daily foot patrols on Kirkwood and and the downtown area. Um, you know, with the recent increase in, in complaints down there, we've we focused the efforts of that of that foot patrol just in the in the eastern part of the Kirkwood area. Um, the the uh, um, the officers who are on patrol, they, they go through people's park all the time. They get out and walk around in that area. So we have, we have increased the patrols in that area um, to, to really try to address the problem. So, sort of like, uh, do I remember Beeline Trail had a patrol at one point too? Right, and and we we still do that also. So you mm-hmm. know we have we have limited resources. We we um, ask IU to help also. IUPD um, patrols in the Kirkwood area also. So we're trying to to harness all the the things we have available to to put to this problem. 
All right, we're going to uh, go to the phones. We have uh, Steve from Bloomington is on the phone. Steve, go ahead. Hi, how you guys doing? Good. I, I uh, just wanted to share an anecdote, a personal anecdote. There was a time in my life when I was uh, homeless in San Francisco, and uh, you would get uh, um, paid once a week from the city if you showed up at Golden Gate Park at uh, sunrise and worked in the park until noon. And that was motivation, plus they fed you. And I thought, uh, and, and through that came uh, actual opportunities to work with the city. So I haven't seen anything like that in Bloomington. Maybe there is. But if some of these people, because it's, I mean, it's a complex problem. You guys are doing a fine job of trying to get your heads around it. <clears throat> but so many reasons push so many people into places that they don't want to go. It was a great lesson for me. But I, I took uh, new pride in ownership in working for uh, the Park Service in San Francisco. Now, if there was ownership through some of this um, kind of uh, work incentive on Kirkwood, I think you'd see the streets stay a lot nicer. And as far as the police presence, I, I would encourage more foot patrols because um, usually it's a squad car with somebody you know, slowly cruising by. But if if the people that are in People's Park know that officers so-and-so and such-and-such are going to be coming around all the time, there's less opportunity for a lot of this mischievous stuff going on. Anyway, so that's that's what I wanted to share with you guys. All right. Yeah. It, that... is, it is a tough one, but taking ownership of the streets um, as opposed to seeing these guys once a month get their paycheck and they get on the bus and they just joyride on the bus and it's like well let's take the, the bus over here and let's take the bus over there and at the end of the day it's like oh we got to get the last bus to the shelter and it's you know you, you see this cycle and it, there's got to be some way to incentivize these people to get out of that rut but anyway all right thanks, thanks steve i want to i want to ask mike deekoff from you know again um, police chief mike deekoff used to be city council member mike deekoff so he knows a little bit about um priorities and what the city might be able to pay for and not pay for it sounds like what steve was recommending was a a city kind of program which would help put people to work in the parks and then on the other hand he was encouraging more foot patrols downtown well, it, with with my knowledge of government, I think um, poor relief and things like that is actually a county responsibility, not a city responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, uh, the city does a lot. Um, you know, there, I'm sure there are lots of people I don't think the city does enough. But, um, you know, again, this I'm going to say this, and I'm sure it's going to upset people. The city can't resolve everybody's problems. Um you know, listening listening to the last caller talk about um, San Francisco, you know, it's it. There's so this this problem really is not. I mean, we keep talking about homelessness. It is so much more complex than just somebody thinking it's a homeless person causing problems. Um, you know, panhandling. People make good money panhandling. Um, I know that because we talk to these people and they don't want a job. You know, so if 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 there's a a program that can be uh, that can address panhandling instead of giving money to panhandlers, give it to a social service agency. You know, that would go a long way because what you would what you would do is you would not have people downtown panhandling for money and then taking that money and going out and buying alcohol or drugs. 
and it, it cleans up everything we've just been talking about. So, you know, that's, that's a, uh, could be a solution. Um, but, you know, it's, it's everything everybody's talking about. It's very complicated because um, I, I would agree that I don't think that a lot of the people who are panhandling are homeless. I don't think that a lot of the problems that we're, we're experiencing on Kirkwood are from homeless people. Um, there are just some people that just want to hang out and cause problems. That's a fact of life. That, that is. There's Byron, a, there's a yeah. dimension to the question that was raised by the caller uh, that has to do with employment, you know, and the self-esteem and whatever that you gain from being employed. Uh, that caller certainly felt that, had that experience. Um, Human Rights Commission would like to have in the city ordinance housing status as a protected category, at least as a way of raising public public consciousness that that's, that a person's housing status or the fact that they may be homeless is not a good reason and not a not a valid reason for denying them employment. Um, certainly, there are homeless people who are not interested in being employed, but there are many who are and who find it quite difficult to get employment because they can't give a permanent address. Mm -hmm. And so it would address that particular issue. Um, if more of these people could find employment who want to be employed, that would be a partial step in the right direction. You know, Brian brings up a good point. One of the things we do with the DRO program is we use some of that money for job skill training. Um, we've we've uh, paid for safe serve training, which is um, a certification you have to have enabled to be able to work uh, in restaurants. We've um, um, paid for work shoes for certain jobs that people might need to have. Um, we've, had, we've had the police officers take people to interviews, take them to work. So he's exactly right. The employment is, is a huge thing. And, and so that's something that the city is trying to help through this program, um, you know, get, get some of those things taken care of for people. I want to mention DRO is the downtown resource officer. Yes, it is. I just want to make sure. I wanted to open this up, too, and, and any of you can just kind of jump in in terms of, I mean, we're not the only city here in Indiana or college town. I mean, I, I don't know if Terre Haute, Lafayette, South Bend, Fort Wayne, are any of the, have you branched out and looked at what other cities might be experiencing and how they're dealing with this type of problem? I've looked at a lot of police departments and programs they have um, that deal with homeless issues, um, and, and that's why we started our program. Um, well, and even more than that, even just crime in their downtown, or well, I think you can. I think you can go anywhere, and you're going to find crime yeah. in downtown areas. Sure. It's, it's your, it's your, you know, your center of commerce. It's mm -hmm. where people are, and that's that's where you're going to get these types of nuisance crimes. People hang out um, in downtown areas. So, and I don't feel like I can answer that question. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a business owner that has to run a business, and that's why I'm in business because I know how to run a business. I feel my role is more of a facilitator to keep this discussion going with whatever direction it goes. I think it's going to reduce the criminal activity. I think it's going to reduce the homelessness. We're not going to cure this 100%. We just have to keep that in mind. And having these reductions is an incentive for us all to keep on this path. And this last caller, Steve, you know, mentioned the possibility. And then I think, you know, we should look at some of these people that are giving us suggestions and try this or try that and see if it does reduce the the problems that we're having. Well, and then you did. I mean, we ended up having a discussion at City Hall, which I hear was standing room only. What does that say? Yeah. I mean, it says that our community wants to help the 
law enforcement that only has eight or ten officers on duty at any time. And here I got 60 business owners, and that's from Sample Gates to Walnut Street together, and we were trying to work on solutions. It got diluted a little bit, and I don't think we were as successful as getting you know solutions created, but I think if we continue this momentum, we're going to work in tandem with the police force. We're going to work in tandem with the shelters. The shelters came out in numbers at our second meeting, and they're like, what can we do to help? You guys, why don't you call us when you have a woman screaming that you obviously know doesn't need to go to the police? Call us. And I'm like, well, great. Do you have numbers? I mean, we need to create systems. So if you say that the Shalom Center is going to take calls from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., every business owner will put on their call list when they have a woman screaming, not hurting anybody, just yelling obscenities at, you know, people walking by her, we'll call this shelter. And then the shelter can maybe take care of this person to the next level. I'm not sure, but that's an idea. Okay, our phone numbers again. We have about 15 minutes to go. 855-0811 in Bloomington. That's an 812 area code or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. I want to sort of bring this back around, and I, I know this might sound kind of simplistic, and I know it because I've written it a few times, but it really it really does come down to it's not the status of the person, it's the behavior of the person, right, right. Byron? I mean, we've yes. talked about that before, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, you know, we this discussion sometimes gets diverted into, well, people are homeless and it's not them, and, and I don't think anybody's really saying that. It's, it's all about the behaviors. What's going on down there is mm-hmm. are, if people are selling drugs on Kirkwood or if people are mugging people on Kirk, Kirkwood, you know, it's, it's the behavior that's going on. It's not who's doing it. That's right. I mean, if you think back historically um, in terms of human rights and civil rights in our, in our country, um, we've stereotyped various groups in the past before we acknowledged that they were entitled to full civil rights. We've stereotyped African Americans. We've stereotyped people who are gay or lesbian, and uh, their behaviors have always been part of that stereotype. But those behaviors have always have never really adequately dis- depicted or described uh, this group of these groups of people. Uh, and I think we're we're just. We sometimes want to simplify the way the world is and make it easier to deal with, but the homeless are all kinds of people, and some of them would be very industrious and hardworking if you gave them a job, and some of them might not, but a lot of them have drug drug addictions or other kind of alcohol addictions, um, but some of them do not. I mean, uh, some of them have financial crises that put them in homeless condition. So to, to see the complexity of the world and understand that being homeless is not any more than being gay or lesbian or being African-American or anything else is not a reason for discrimination. Mm-hmm. All right. We, we have a couple of phone calls. Um, let's see if we can get to the first one. Irene is on the line. Can we talk Hello. to Irene? Go ahead. Yes. Hi. I would like you to know that uh, several years ago I had a shop in Nashville, Indiana, and at the time uh, students were hanging about mostly during the summer months and school vacations and what have you, and the shop owners were greatly bothered by this. And all I did was stick my head out my shop door and ask them, do you need something to do? Because I have a job for you. And I ended up having many of the students working for me, doing little odd jobs, and to the point where even with one student, 
I trusted enough with the shop's money to make a bank deposit for me, and he did a wonderful job. This gave the kids a sense of belonging and a sense of community, and uh, even so much so that a couple of years later, one of the students, after graduating, came back with his new baby and wife and was so proud and thanked me for the opportunity to help. Sounds like a lot of times it is a one-on-one connection that perhaps you can make. Mm-hmm. It right. really is. It really is. And I, I just think so many times people don't know what to do, and they don't know how to fit in. And so here's a chance, perhaps, that maybe somebody can push a broom or, or run an errand for a shop owner or something of the sort. And us at Nick's English Hut see that as a possibility as well. We've even had some people after the last forum that we had ask us if they could have a job with us. Unfortunately, our job positions were all filled at the time, and we just can't hire somebody for a temporary position and pay them cash unless they do all... They have to have the legality paperwork filled out properly. I mean, they have to have information that they might not have because they don't really i'm not sure where i'm going with this but i, I it's, think it's not as easy to just have somebody on your payroll as uh, all, all the time yeah right? i mean yeah. we'd like to have them push a broom but then it's taking away somebody else's job that's already been hired to do that so i think we have to integrate this process slowly and see where it can go it's a great possibility for all of us to reach out just a little bit more to help like you're saying yeah it's it's true uh perhaps the um uh setup in bloomington is far different anyway than it is in brown county it's a little looser there Uh, so i i can understand how it would be more difficult and especially for a restaurant to reach out like that but uh just uh, might just throw this out just as an idea perhaps some way to involve these people to give them a sense of responsibility. Thank you very much, Irene. Appreciate your phone call. We have another online. Uh, Mike from Bloomington. You're on Noon Edition. Go ahead. Hello, Mike from Bloomington calling for uh, hey, Mike. Mr. Salzberg and Chief Dekoff. And a previous caller from San Francisco reminded me that I had been out there several years ago for a meeting and on every street corner in San Francisco, I was accosted by people asking for money, and and it turned me off so much that I decided I will never go back to San Francisco. I mean, mm-hmm. I love San Francisco, but it, it was just too much. I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I certainly don't want to see Kirkwood Avenue turn into something like that, which at every corner you're accosted by people asking you for money mm-hmm. exactly right we all feel for you we're <laughs> trying to protect not just kirkwood avenue but the whole city because we don't want to push them somewhere else and then that problem is on someone else's shoulders we need to find solutions for the whole community not just kirkwood avenue mm-hmm. thank you very much mike for that phone call we only have a few minutes left but i wanted to get kind of back to that uh the the meeting that i believe most of you were were at what were some of the suggestions or things that you learned from other people that were up there talking that maybe you didn't think of and we just had irene call in too with something well i think i brought that up with the shalom center that they could help do something 
and I hadn't thought about the shelters and what their possibilities are. But they also need to know the law enforcement regulations and work with the police force as well as, you know, the other shelters around. How about you, Brian? I don't know that there were that many concrete suggestions. I mean, insofar as there, this is a homeless issue, housing has been proven to be a very effective solution. The Crawford Homes isn't a good example of that. But I think with respect to the other, with respect to what I think is the predominant issue here, which is you know criminal activity or aggressive panhandling and objectionable behavior, um, that. I haven't heard yet um, what I would consider to be effective responses to that. I think the suggestion one of the callers had about putting some people to work you know, might be effective, but if most of the people who are doing the objectionable behavior are not homeless necessarily, that's not necessarily a solution either. So uh, we probably need to do a little more research <laughs> mm-hmm. to really identify what are the behaviors that are most problematic here. Or, on the other hand, it may be the, the police presence um, in the last couple of weeks, as Susan pointed out, has really re- resulted in a reduction in, in these behaviors. And maybe, you know, just doing the, the right job on a regular basis uh, will be effective. I want to mention we did have a, a question on live chat, and it sort of ties into what, what Mike, our last caller, was saying. Uh, this question is, if people stop giving panhandlers money, will it make the problems go the, the panhandling problem go away? Well, I like this idea of these donation boxes. I think businesses want to know where to put their donation money. I mean, we all get battered with a whole bunch of people wanting our money and we take it out of the community. We give it to national organizations or worldwide organizations. And if we can have these boxes on Kirkwood Avenue that precipitate money staying within the community, then I think it'll trickle down into us business owners like, oh gosh, all of our donation money really should stay in our community. And what organizations can we support? Which ones support um, helping reduce the addictive nature of people and addressing the mental instability. And they're also following the law, too. I want to make sure these organizations that we're donating money to are working with the police force and not allowing illegal activity on their properties. So then I would say you'd get a lot more donation money from the local business owners staying within the community, which would then get more housing, more of this, more of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have a – there's not a shortage of people – that are working on this problem. It's a matter of finding the, the solutions to it. So, Mike Decoff, Chief Decoff, what do you think should happen next? Do you have any? Well, I think, um, you know, we already have uh, g- groups coming together. Um, you know, we had so many agencies in this community doing their own thing and, and harnessing, I think, everybody into uh, one single mission is, is probably going to be the most beneficial. Um, you know, that's I've talked about our our downtown resource officer. That's what we try to do with with the different agencies that work with us is try to get everybody in in one direction so that it, we have the most impact. Mm-hmm. Okay, Byron. Well, I think what Mike just said is is probably most relevant. The collaboration, community, or communication, working together. I mean, the energy's there. I think with all these different agencies to want to try to address this this issue, but um, to have a common vision and to be in communication working on together with the business owners. Mm-hmm. And IU. IU's a huge and business IU. owner. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. All right, Susan, last word from you. No, that was my good That was it. Huh? <laughs> that was your last word. <laughs> Go IU. Right. Okay, we're out of time. I want to thank uh, our guests today, Byron Bangert, who's uh, on the Bloomington Human Rights Commission, <laughs> Susan Bright, the co-owner of Nick's English Hut, and Bloomington Police Chief Mike Dekoff. Thank you all for being here with us today. And also my my uh, radio partner for the day, Joe Wren. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Always thank nice you. to be with you. Our producer has been Lacey Scarmana and Alexander McCall. Engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.